Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. A Dublin-braced Ukrainian who returned from the Polish border at the weekend described it like something out of a horror movie. Uh, Darnia Kushner, who originally uh, was from uh, Trugovets in uh, Lviv, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing the name of those places right, by the way, um, uh, came to Ireland uh, when she was seven years of age and settled in Monaghan with her family. She went to study, or went on to study in Trinity College and Networks in Dublin. And uh, Darinia went uh, to Poland last Sunday to collect her elderly grandfather who had to abandon his country because of the Russian invasions. And she joins me now on the line. Uh, Darina Kushner, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. How are you, Niall? And I hope I'm pronouncing your name properly, by the way. Uh, you are, yes. Okay. Um, actually, oh. in Ukrainian, it's uh, pronounced Darina. Okay, Darina. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But Darina is kind of how I've been. You've probably been, well, when you've been living in Ireland, I think it's probably just easier for most Irish people to say, oh, we're familiar with that one, Darina. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we could say that now. And so you came to Ireland. I'm just looking here. So obviously you studied in Trinity College and you came to Ireland. You settled in Monaghan many years ago, seven years ago. And what was the purpose of originally coming to Ireland? I mean, why? Why? What was the attraction in Ireland? First of all, before I get to uh, your uh, trip to Poland, what was the purpose of your uh, your trip to Ireland? Was it to study initially? Uh, no, so sorry, I moved here when I was seven. My parents had uh, moved uh, before then. So okay. I lived with my grandparents from I think the age of three to seven. Now I don't know why they picked Carrigan Macross of all places. Yeah. Uh, well, no, it's a beautiful part of the country, by the way. I'm not having a go. It's a beautiful part of the country. It is a lovely oh, yeah. part of the country. It is. It's a nice town, all right. Uh, Although, do you know what the one thing I can... I, I never understand why people say hi after every sentence. I don't know what that's about. I, I, in Car- I think it's mainly in Carrot Cross that you get that. You know you meet somebody in the street and they'd say to you, how is things hi? Is oh, that- yeah. Yeah, they do that. <laughs> I don't know why they do it. So I, it's a beautiful part of the country and you've been living there for quite a while now. You went out to study in Trinity College and your granddad, okay, your elderly granddad, are, are much of your family are still back in Ukraine? Um, yes. So I still have um, an aunt and an uncle, uh, my granddad's um, siblings. Um, yeah, I have quite a few. Quite a few um, family back there. And do you, would you have gone over to the Ukraine much? Um, usually pretty much every year or two years. The last time I was there was uh, about two years ago. I went there for a full month. Okay. And, uh, myself and my cousin and my granddad actually then travelled from Ukraine to Krakow for a day as well, just for like a little trip out. Um, it was really nice. Okay, and I know there has been obviously tensions there probably since in around 2014 anyway. And had your, your family and your relations... Had they been victim to that or was there any problems going on where they were living at that time? I mean, because obviously everybody has seen tensions rising there since 2014 internally as well. I mean, so have there been problems? So uh, I think my family are lucky enough to be in the very western part of Ukraine, uh, very near the Polish border. Mm. But um, my aunt and uncle, I think in Ukraine, families are kind of different, like for faraway aunts and uncles are like your close family. Yeah. Um, but they have joined the Ukrainian military, I think, around 2014, and they live in Kiev. Okay. They're actually out there right now. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. Okay, so, yeah, so, I mean, so, so they're literally on the front line. 
Yes, um, but I think every Ukrainian, whether they would be from Lviv or very near the Polish border, probably has friends or distant relatives in or further parts. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think pretty much the whole country had been affected. And the, the sad part, I think, is that uh, it has been doing really well since, you know, the new president was democratically elected. Mm-hmm. Um, he seemed to have a different view of life, obviously. You know, I mean, uh, he seemed to have a more progressive view of life. Now, I don't know whether he was going to fulfill those promises, but he certainly seemed to have a more progressive view, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, even m- any time I was talking to my granddad on the phone, he was in uh, Ukraine, he would say things like, you know, there are more playgrounds being built, the roads are getting better, you know, things were getting much better, particularly, I'm not sure about the rest of the Ukraine, but mm. particularly in the western part. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's just sad now that... So w- when when this started, I suppose, when the invasion happened first, which would have been Thursday before last, I mean, what were your immediate reaction to it? Obviously, like everybody else, you watched the kind of horror unfold on television, I imagine, and then you would have tried to obviously contact relations that you have over there. I mean, that must have been quite a scary time for you and for your family. Um, yes, I mean, when I, I literally found out from the, my cousin over Instagram, it was, I was waking up to go to work and, um, I read the message and I was just like, there must be some sort of confusion, like it's probably not something big. And then I went to look at the news and I was just kind of shocked. It's like very difficult to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when it started, but it was that kind of Thursday morning at five o'clock in the morning. And I know we were getting reports in from journalists that were there of that first missile strike at five o'clock in the morning. And, and it must have been terrible for people over there because there was always the threat was there for the last, I suppose, for the, certainly the month preceding that. There was a threat there. There was always that feeling that. It, but I think most people had kind of said, ah, sure, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? That won't happen. You know, we'd kind of written it off as not going to happen. And then it just did. Yes, I mean, that's exactly it. Um, I guess the only way I could describe the feeling of finding out it, that it is happening is like if anybody has had a relative pass away, when you might be expecting for them to pass away if they've been suffering with some Of course, chronic, yes. But when it happens, you're still kind of shocked. Yeah, that's a very good analogy, actually, because everybody always thinks, oh, should they've been sick for quite a while. They're probably not too upset over it, you know what I mean, because they've been sick for quite a while. And every, it's a, that's a really good analogy, I suppose, of, of what I was trying to describe. So your, your granddad, how old is your granddad, by the way? Um, he is in his 70s. Okay, still a young man, uh, but in, his, but in <laughs> yeah. his 70s. And you decided that you needed to get over there to get him home. Um, so you went uh, to Poland last Sunday. I did, yes. Um, was that so, was that a tough decision to make? Because obviously, you know, okay, I, I don't think there's too much danger in going to Poland, but still to see the horror of what's going on, that must have been very difficult to make that decision to do that. Um, to be honest, Niall, um, not at all. It was kind of a necessity, I think. Um, initially, what the plan was, I actually had a holiday booked in Krakow to visit my cousin who lives there. Okay. Um, so I had the tickets ready for like a month. Um, and when I saw kind of everything unfolding, even before the invasion, my in my head, I was already kind of like, if anything happens, I just have to get my granddad out. Okay. He was being really stubborn as well. Um, I actually at one point had to threaten to kidnap him. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have to get you kidnapped and brought to the border if you don't agree to this. Um, because I think like he really loves Ukraine. and. Mm-hmm. 
I think he was very upset at having to leave it. It is it is terrible because so many people are thinking, you know, that so many people obviously are being displaced at the moment. Millions of people are being displaced in Ukraine at the moment. And, pe- and most of those people don't want to leave their country. And, and let's make that clear to everybody. They don't want to come to Ireland. They don't want to go to England. They don't want to go anywhere. They want to stay in their own country. They just can't. It's just not safe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's exactly it. I think that that's most of my family still, like, um, I think my cousin is trying to convince her mum, my aunt, to leave, but a lot of them are staying put and they really do not want to go. And all of the people that do leave, I think even the trauma of like having to say goodbye to their brothers, their fathers, their husbands, um, mm-hmm. I think that's something maybe that really needs to be emphasised. Like, you know, the people that get past the border, they are okay. They're probably very happy to have escaped and relieved to not have to stay up all night listening to sirens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think probably what is the hardest part for people, I can't say for myself, but probably having to leave their um, male family relatives behind. Anyone between the age of 18 and 60 years of age has to stay and yes. fight for their country, of course. And um, when you uh, went uh, for when you went over on Sunday then, I mean, you obviously had to make your way to the border. How had you arranged to get a you know a car, or rent a car, or how did you manage to do that? Uh, so my cousin, as I said, lives in Krakow, and she lives there with her boyfriend. So we um, all drove down. Okay. And and what was the scene? You you described the scene. I'll come back to your grandfather in a second, but just the scene at the Polish border. You described it online as being something like something out of a horror film. Um, if you could describe it for listeners, because I suppose we don't really get a sense. We see the odd picture, I suppose, on the news and stuff like that. But we don't get a sense of the, I suppose, this mass amount of people just literally piling into Poland currently at the moment. We're not really getting a sense of how big that are, the scale of that, I suppose. Um, look, a horror film might be not the best way to describe it, to be honest. Um, it's more so, it's more like a film. You know, mm. not there isn't any sort of bloodshed or anything like that. It's just... Um, just the inhumanity of the whole thing, yes. It's just when you're there, it just doesn't feel real, mm. if that makes any sense. No, no, absolutely. I think it makes sense. I, I suppose the analogy I, I could use was when 9-11 happened. Now, I know there was many people killed in 9-11 as well, so over 3,000 people. But when 9-11 happened and we saw two planes flying into the side of a building... Everybody at the time, I remember, described it as something they thought they were watching a Hollywood movie because it's not something you imagine you're going to see in your lifetime. No more than you would have imagined in your lifetime, you would have seen millions of people leaving your country. Terrified. Yes, uh, absolutely. I think one of the most harrowing images that I remember was when we were in the airport, there was a a woman with a child um, and the child's face, I think the child was maybe about three or two years old, the child literally had like wounds all over her face and just like red marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was kind of horrified by that. And I was just thinking like, well, you know, this is one of the children that is actually lucky to have escaped. Yeah. And there are so many others that are left there. And so many people have died at this stage. Thousands of people have died. And, and, and you know, and I mentioned yesterday too, and I know somebody gave out to me over saying it, but I will say it again. So many Russians have died too. And it's an unne- it's an unnecessary deaths. It's all preventable, you know. So you had arranged to to meet your granddad. So how did he manage to get them from where he was to the Polish border? Uh, 
Um, my granddad had a contact with a taxi driver that he had known for a long time. Um, and the taxi driver just agreed to bring him over there. Um, I think the toughest part of the journey for my granddad was probably being at the border. It was about minus four degrees. There's a lot of screaming children. Um, and Is it organised? Does it look organised or is it disorganised? I can imagine there will be a level of disorganisation about when you've got that many people coming through. So how, how is it, do you get a sense that it's organised? Um. I think they're doing the best they can, but uh, when we were looking for uh, our granddad, we actually couldn't find him for a good half an hour as well. We okay. were going through uh, different, there's lots of tents kind of uh, with people there. We were mm-hmm. going through all the tents with a volunteer and she was literally like screaming out into the tent. It's like, is granddad Bogdan here? <laughs> is he here? But uh, we couldn't find him. And then we actually, we walked right up to the, uh, kind of place where like the border control are sitting um, which was another like few hundred metres away and we were just calling my granddad and I remember I actually called him on messenger and I heard the ringtone from far away and Oh okay you could hear his you could hear his phone from, Yeah we yes. could hear his phone and my cousin was just like that's not him and I was just like I think it might be and we just like uh, went to the direction of the ringtone and yeah that's how we found him and by the way, in, in the, at the border control, uh, obviously coming from Ukraine into Poland, is there are they checking people at all, or is it just a case of just look, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead? Are they checking passports? Are they are they looking for any kind of documentation? Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm actually not quite sure. I wasn't okay. I didn't actually see the people coming in. Yeah, if that makes sense. There's yeah. actually a big gap. I think there's a, like a Polish border and Ukrainian border and there's a gap between the two and then people are kind of flowing in through both. I, I was just curious whether they, at this point, I imagine they probably have just abandoned all kind of procedure because they just need to get as many people through as possible, I imagine. I, I Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. I'd say maybe they might be checking some kind of documents if anybody has them and then if they don't, they probably still let people through. Yeah. Well, look, I'm glad you managed to get him home. And I'm sure he was delighted to see you, by the way, was he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think he's very, I hope he's very happy now. <laughs> <laughs> and how is he settling in in Ireland? Well, my dad sent me a picture yesterday of my granddad playing Snakes and Ladders with my little brother, Andrew. Okay. Uh, it was nice. So I think they both looked very cosy, so. Good. Well, at least it's a little bit warmer. Not much warmer, mind you, at the moment, but a little bit warmer than it was. Oh yeah, um, but he's been very well taken care of by Ireland. Um, like, we're really, really, really grateful for all of the help that has been coming in. Mm. Um, like, even when we were at the airport, it literally took us five minutes to get through. Like, there were Irish people still waiting in line uh, to go through the passport control, but we were like, like five minutes, uh, and we were through. And That's what, and I know they've set up a pop up shop in the airport. When I say a pop-up shop, a pop-up store to help people coming from Ukraine. So essentially what's going to happen is if people come in from Ukraine, um, they will be supplied with a PPS number. If they need accommodation or somewhere to stay, there's people there to help them. So I know that there's a, there's a whole help desk, an array of help desk desks there for people coming in because obviously it's only starting. But over the next three or four weeks, we imagine that, that those numbers will multiply and there'll be a lot more people coming through. And many of those people are not going to have any money. They may not have any documentation. They may not have anywhere to stay, or at least with your granddad, he has his family here. 
you know, but many people are not going to have anybody. You're going to have women coming in with children with nobody to, to talk to and nobody to help them, you know. So I'm delighted to see that the Irish authorities are helping as much as they possibly can and, and hopefully uh, they'll be able to get somewhere for everybody to stay. But I wanted to mention before you go as well, by the way, there's an auction taking place tonight at 5.30 and all the funds are going to the Red Cross. Tell us a little bit about that, by the way. Sorry, um, it's actually at 6.30pm. Oh, 6.30. Sorry, it says in my brief here, 5.30. I do apologise. Yeah, no worry. I think it's, we actually had to change it very last minute. Everything for the auction uh, has been super last minute. We literally organised it in one week. Okay. Um, we got some really generous donations from brilliant Irish artists and Ukrainian artists. And, like, I'm actually stunned by how quickly we managed to pull this off. Okay. Hope it goes well this evening. So um, if anybody would like to join into the auction, um, the best way would probably be to go onto um, our link tree. So it's linktr.ee forward slash action, the number four Ukraine. Okay, I tell you what, that's quite long-winded. So for anybody who wants to do that, I'll get Ashling to put a link on my social media, on our Twitter and on the Classic Kids Twitter as well, all right, or Facebook page as well. So what I'll do is I'll get Ash to put up that link for us, all right? So if anybody wants to, if they go to our social media, because you might not have caught that, um, we'll put a link up there for you to go to it, all right? That's brilliant. Thank you so much. And, and, and thanks to the people, by the way, from Cabra Castle and uh, the Ardell Hotel in Galway. And also you got, I'm looking here, what, honey truffle sounds nice, by the way, can I just say? <laughs> yeah, so that's actually for our raffle. We're holding two kind of separate fundraisers. Okay. The raffle and the draw for that closes on uh, the 18th of March. So anybody can enter. One ticket is 10 euro. And, yeah. And yeah, we have plenty of prizes. We might even get some more uh, last minute donations kind of over the week. Yeah, okay. Uh, so and and if anyone wants to donate prizes, you can, by the way. You can go, <laughs> uh, go to that link there. Yeah, I'm sure you get in touch through that link and just go to that link. So the auction takes place tonight. It's at 6.30 and all the funds go work to the Red Cross, which are doing such a wonderful job. Because remember, I know loads of people want to donate, you know, uh, what you call it, foods and blankets and all that kind of stuff. Realistically, at this time, at this moment, because it's so easy to do it, money is best because the Red Cross know exactly what to do with the money and they're over there right now. So the money really would be the best thing to do. If you have a spare five or a spare ten or whatever it happens to be and you want to help out, you can donate or you can go to this auction and uh, the link is on my social media, on my Twitter and on our Facebook page, on the Classic Hits Twitter account. It's everywhere, okay? So we'll put the link up there and you can go to that and you can go to the auction tonight and remember, it all goes to a good cause and to people like... Uh, you, Darina, who head over to the Ukraine or head over to the Polish border to help your elderly grandparents and many others who are going to collect elderly people and men, and women and children as well uh, at the Polish border. Listen, thank you very much indeed for coming on the air and I'm glad you're home safe and I'm glad your granddad is in Ireland. That's great. Thank you so much for having me over and for sharing this. Uh, you've been absolutely wonderful um, and thank you to everyone who has donated so far all of the really kind artists and businesses. Like, we really, really appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Irina, and I appreciate it. I'm sure hopefully we'll get to talk to you again. Maybe we'll get your granddad on the air some night and have a chat with him too. Does he speak English? Uh, I'm sure he'll learn some. <laughs> All right, okay. Listen, thank you, Irina. There you go. Um, a very brave girl going to the border to come to the Polish border uh, to collect her granddad and a lot of people doing the same thing and I know I know a lot of people are going to say it's reasonably safe at the border of Poland it probably is reasonably safe for the moment for the moment and hopefully it'll remain that way but go anyway the auction is on at 6.30 
And uh, there's a link, as I said, on all our social media. Go on there and you can donate there, through there, go to the auction. It might be an interesting auction, actually. And thanks to all the people who have helped Reen out. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic.